Caleb, he had another spirit. In Joshua chapter 21, we are informed about the casting of lots for certain portions of the land for the Levites. In verses 10 to 11, we learn that God was going to decide which Levitical family would inherit the cities in the tribe of Judah, and Hebron in particular. We also learn that these children of Aaron were to be appointed 13 cities amongst the tribes of Judah, Simeon and Benjamin. It is significant that the first city mentioned was Hebron. Why is Hebron being emphasised by position and repetition? One reason is because Caleb had given it up as his inheritance. We have seen evidence for that in previous articles. A second reason is that while the many children of Aaron would be divided amongst the 13 cities, the direct high priestly line probably lived in Hebron. Some have suggested that the cities were shared between the inhabitants of that tribe and the Levites. Brother Morris Beale makes an interesting comment in his book on Joshua. The occupation of the Levitical cities was different from others. In the first place, it appeared that a Levitical city was not the exclusive property of the Levitical family to which it was assigned. There are repeated references, particularly in Deuteronomy, to the Levite that is within thy gates. Examples of this phrase can be found in Deuteronomy chapter 12 and 14. There are others. In each, the drift of the message is that the Levite was not to be ignored in a time of rejoicing, because, like the stranger and the fatherless and the widow, he hath no part nor inheritance with thee. These references suggest that the population of the Levitical cities might contain only a minority of Levites. The law of the Levitical cities guaranteed tenure of their houses, but not exclusive use of the town. Caleb may still have hand to hand in the affairs of the city of Hebron, although given over to the Levites. We do not know. But how beautiful is this scenario. The divine hand had specifically chosen Hebron, just as Caleb had. This Hebron, a city associated with David's kingship in Judah, would also be associated with priesthood. The great spiritual man, Caleb, would now be able to interact with the spiritual leader of Israel. We note that whilst the city of Hebron with its suburbs was given to the children of Aaron, we find that the fields of the city and the villages thereof gave they to Caleb the son of Jephunneh for his possession. While Hebron may have mixed Levites and Judahite inhabitants, the title deed was given to the children of Levi. Would Caleb have complained about the fields and villages? Not at all. In fact, the fields and villages surrounding Hebron are highly significant. It was in these fields that the patriarch Abraham had spent so much of his time. It was in these fields that Abraham had been promised the country from the river of Egypt to the river Euphrates. In these fields he was promised Isaac, the seed of promise. We also have mention of Jacob coming to his father Isaac, who also dwelt in the same fields. It was a special place to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob that ended up as Caleb's inheritance. God was demonstrating in this that Caleb had the same spirit as the patriarchs, the same faith in the promises that God would give them the land of Israel. Yet there is more in these fields than just the historical imprint of Abraham's tent. We find that among these fields was the field Abraham purchased, in which was the cave of Machpelah. 
In this cave, Sarah, Abraham, Isaac, Rebecca, Leah and Jacob were all buried. This was the only portion of land that Abraham was given, although it was given to him by purchase, not by inheritance. In Joshua 14 verse 9, Moses swore to Joshua, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. This is in contrast to Abraham's experience. Acts 7 verse 5 says that he, God, gave him, Abraham, none inheritance in it, no, not so much as to set his foot on, yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession. Caleb received part on the inheritance that Abraham is still waiting for. Caleb's inheritance of the fields of Hebron links back to another interesting connection in Numbers chapter 13. The spies gathered oversized grapes from the brook Eshkol, which we are told in verse 22 is in the vicinity of Hebron. This tells us that the inheritance around Hebron was amazingly fruitful. It is curious that the detail we have says that the grapes were born between two upon a staff, and some have suggested that the two spies who carried the grapes were Joshua and Caleb. If this is the case, how significant it would have been for Caleb to own the very inheritance that he had once been physically connected with over 40 years before. Some 400 years after Moses and Joshua, David spent some time in these same fields and villages of Hebron. 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 3 says, And his men that were with him, says the record, did David bring up every man with his household, and they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. The term cities of Hebron most likely refers to the villages about Hebron that had grown more populous over time. This event took place after the death of Saul and Jonathan and is in direct response to God's direction. David rules as a king from Hebron for seven years, and when Absalom seeks to usurp him in 2 Samuel chapter 15, he announces himself as king at Hebron. How does David view Hebron and all the surrounding fields? Does David realise that he is sitting on the inheritance of Caleb? There is evidence to suggest yes. We have an unusual phrase in 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 14. We made an invasion upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. These are the words spoken by an Egyptian servant to David about where they invaded. Therefore, those lands at that time were still known as the inheritance of Caleb. David knew this, but so did the nations round about. The name of Caleb was memorialised in this location, in his inheritance given to him by God. We could remark how little Caleb received in comparison to what he might deserve. A few fields? Yet these fields carried such meaning and such history. God knew exactly what he was doing when he apportioned these places to Caleb. When God gives us something different to what we might expect, a smaller portion in this life, perhaps a smaller house, an average salary, a smaller family, fewer holidays, fewer savings, poor health. How do we react? Do we see past the natural to the spiritual significance, to the spiritual lessons that God is hoping we develop? The story of Caleb does not end in the books of Joshua and Judges. He receives further mention in the genealogies which occur in the early chapters of Chronicles. It was from these chapters that we can derive Caleb's family tree. 
There is a Caleb in First Chronicles chapter 2, which we find was the son of Hezron, the son of Phares, the son of Judah. He was not connected to anyone called Kenaz, and so even if Hezron was another name for Jephunneh, he could not have been the Kenazite. The confusion comes too when in First Chronicles 2 verse 49, we have mentioned that this Caleb too had a daughter called Aksa. The margin emphatically states, not as Joshua 15 verse 17, as is some other commentator. This does seem the case, given the evidence currently presented. In 1 Chronicles 4 verse 13 to 16, we have a Caleb mentioned again, specifically called the son of Jephunneh. This was the Caleb of the wilderness wanderings. This is the family tree of Caleb, the seed that God spoke about in Numbers 14 verse 24, that possessed the land and became known as the part of the tribe of Judah. We do have to compare the records of Judges and Chronicles to see the connection between Kenaz, Othniel and Caleb, but here we see far more of his family. We see the sons, the grandsons, and perhaps even the great-grandsons of Caleb. This is the seed that inherited that land as God had promised. What is the context that Caleb's lineage sits in? It is within the genealogies of Judah, which take up a huge proportion of the genealogies in First Chronicles, more than any other of the tribes. Levi has the whole of chapter 6, Benjamin the whole of chapter 8, but not as much space as Judah. Caleb's name would endure within the tribe of Judah because this is where his family connections are outlined. They are Judahites by faith, not birth. Next time you read through the generations of the tribes of Judah, look out for names that are associated elsewhere with places. Some of the tribe of Judah founded towns and cities, and these towns became their legacy. As for Caleb, his legacy sits in Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges and Chronicles, preserved by the divine hand in the Spirit Word. But this is not the only mention of Caleb in the genealogies of the Chronicles. We also find him in First Chronicles chapter 6, verse 54 to 57. This was the list of the Levitical cities, and here we have the account of Hebron, given to the Levites, and again the same comment is being made as in Joshua chapter 21. The inspired account again wishes to draw attention to the fact that Caleb received his inheritance, and then he, with the children of Judah, gave Hebron back to the Levites, but still ended up with the fields and villages of the city. There are a number of key significant events recorded which break the flow of names in 1 Chronicles 6. They include the temple that Solomon built in Jerusalem, the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, David set them over the service of God in the tabernacle of the congregation, Aaron and his sons offered incense upon the altar for atonement, and Caleb receiving the field and villages around Hebron. What does this arrangement teach us? That the offering up of Hebron as an inheritance was as spiritually important as the building of the temple. That Caleb's inheritance was as momentous an occasion as Judah being taken into captivity. That Caleb and his actions sit amongst biblical greats like David, the king after God's own heart, and Aaron and his sons, the high priest. Are we left in any doubt about the faith of this man? about his example of dedication to God? Are we left in any doubt about the different spirit he had? What have we seen in the life of Caleb? 
How did this different spirit shine through all his actions and how can we have that different spirit today? Caleb believed his inheritance was as good as taken the moment God said it was his. He voluntarily gave up his inheritance so that he might serve the work of the truth. He worked with the spiritual leaders of the nation. He saw the spiritual significance of his inheritance, not the size or the grandeur. He is a Gentile who accepted the hope of Israel and received an inheritance with God's people. His actions are as grand as Solomon, as momentous as the captivity, as faithful as David, and as spiritually important as Aaron and his sons. May we all learn these lessons from Caleb and be inspired by his example. We pray that when our Lord returns, we might hear similar words to those spoken to Caleb in Numbers 14 verse 24. But my servant, insert your name. Because you had another spirit with you and have followed me fully, you will I bring into the kingdom and you shall possess it. (laughs) 